For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Orlando. Orlando. Welcome to the Ozone. Welcome to the Ozone. Welcome to the Ozone. Welcome to the Ozone. The voice of massive magic fans. Welcome back to another episode of the Ozone Podcast, the voice of magic fans. In the virtual studio today, we have Justin. Yo. Al. Hey, what's going on? Myself, Anthony, and no special guests this time around, guys. We are we are back. We are fully completed with our quarantine series. Really big thank you, and we, we are very, very grateful to have um, the, the 13 guests that we've had on, man. It was, it's exciting to kind of see how um, everyone's been doing um, during this quarantine time, getting to know the players and the different guests that we had on, and also giving our our listeners a chance to kind of get to get to know these very influential individuals to the Orlando Magic organization and whatnot. But you know, with everyone that we had on, guys, who were some of your favorites? Man, it, it, there was just uh, so many great guests that we had on. Uh, thinking about especially the broadcasting team, having David Steele, you know, Jeff Turner, Dante Dante Marcatelli. Um, just a special number of guests, the players that joined us, not only from the Magic, but also from Lakeland. Um, but one that just jumps out to me, it's got to be Daryl Armstrong. Uh, just the fact, that, again, the fact that we actually had him cry on our podcast was special to me. Um, but just again, you could just tell the passion that he has for the city, for our team, the memories, how much they mean to him. That to me was really, really special. Yeah, shame on you, Al, for making him emotional on our podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, I think... I, I agree with that 100%. I think having the broadcasting guys was really special. Uh, just to know, you know, that they all started, you know, from the point that they started at and where they're at now and how long they've been with the Magic and how passionate they are about the team. Um, I think that was really eye-opening to see. Obviously, having guys who actually played for the team and currently play for the team, like Wessa Wundu, MCW, Bo Outlaw, Daryl Armstrong, like those guys were special because their perspective is entirely different than, you know, the broadcasters or sideline reporters and things like that. Uh, but it was it was overall, you know, very special, very humbling. Um, and I'm, I'm glad that we had that opportunity. And for those of you guys that um, aren't familiar with what it is that we're talking about or haven't been able to listen to uh, our quarantine series, you can go back uh, and check those out. There are about 13 episodes that we did. Um, you know, with guests, people associated with the magic, um, and it was a fun time. Yeah, man. Uh, some of the ones that stood out to me is I really enjoyed our podcast that we had with Andrew Nicholson, um, who had a, a pretty, it was, I would say, a fan favorite with us, the four or five years that he played with us. But just to get his perspective of how it was like playing internationally in China and how, you know, the, the little differences of the type of food that they ate to so the way they did their transportation, I thought it was really insightful to get, um, you know, kind of how it looked on that side of the world. And then uh, Vic Law was also really fun to have on. Vic Law right. is a, a really good dude. 
um, to hear his story of um, his collegiate experience and then his transition into um, working in the G League and and also hearing, you know, what's the day in the life of a G League player, um, I thought was really fun. And, and it kind of felt as if we've known him for a while because the, the chemistry off the back was, was awesome with Vic Law. He's definitely someone that I'm, I'm ruined for um, jumping into the bubble. Um, now, obviously, uh, during this time frame, we really didn't know exactly what the layout of the land was going to be for the NBA. You know, we're at the point where we know exactly. We know the format. We know um, who we're going to be playing against and whatnot. And we were introduced to the bubble, the bubble at Disney. NBA is in Orlando. And um, yeah, what, what are you guys looking forward to with uh, Magic Basketball starting and, and everything in the bubble? Man, I'm just looking forward to Magic Basketball being back. Um, it's been a while. It kind of got taken away from us, you know, unexpectedly due to the COVID-19 situation. And just having the Magic back, it's going to be fun to just be able to go to work, come back home, and know that, hey, there's games going on. Uh, we're playing for something also. We're not just showing up to play eight games and go home and that's it. We're actually playing for seating. We're actually playing for a playoff uh, position. And, and, you know, there's a lot going on still. Even on the Western Conference, there's a lot going on. So just watching basketball again, it's going to be something that I'm looking forward to the most. Um, and just also to see how things turn out. It's going to be interesting to see how not having fans, you know, how would that look like? The broadcasting, I know it's going to be done remotely. Then they're going to be there in the, in the arena. So all of these things, I'm looking forward to just seeing how that's going to look. Um, and just the, the turnout for our magic, how that's going to look for us and where we're going to be at the end of this um, seeding games. Yeah, I think for me, one of the things that I, I find interesting is going to be, um, like we were talking about before we started recording, is just the chemistry with the guys. I think the guys on this team have really good chemistry. Everybody gets along. Everybody jokes around. And I think um, there's like a, a sense of inclusivity with everyone. Everyone's kind of together at all times. It's going to be interesting kind of later in the in the time frame, depending on, you know, where we make the playoffs and, and how deep we go into the playoffs. The guys seeing each other every single day um, at all times, not being able to, you know, see their families. I, I wonder how that's going to kind of play a role into uh, the product on the court and the chemistry in the locker room as well. Uh, those are those are some things that uh, I think are interesting. And from what I've seen, it really does look like a AAU experience for for the players. And the fact that they're all locked down and they're they kind of forced to hang out with each other all day because if not, they'll be bored out of their mind. You can kind of already see on social media the different activities that they've done. Um, they've gone golfing. They've done fishing. They've I, I want to say I saw a video of you know Terrence Ross setting the PlayStation up for Evan Fournier so that they can play some FIBA. Like there there's just been so much going on and you can really tell that our players really like each other. You know, there was another video that I saw that uh Mobamba was taking a picture of a fish that he caught and in reality it wasn't even his fish. He sold off of Gary <laughs> Clark. Um so you can really tell that um that there is camaraderie with our team and one can only hope that um as good as the time that I see that they have that that does translate over onto the court. Um, and you know, with that being said, let's guys, let's jump into the juice. So analyzing our schedule, um, obviously we have about three scrimmage games before we get into, um, the, the finishing of the eight games of the season to kind of see where we're going to end up with our seating. Um, but to start off with the scrimmaging, we have Clippers, Lakers, and Nuggets. Now, obviously these are games that are, are to get our feet wet so that we kind of get back into the rhythm. Um, guys, what do you feel about the scrimmage? And then what do you feel about the strengths of the schedules that we have? 
Man, I, I actually like it. I like the fact that we're playing against two of the, I mean, three of the top teams in the West. Um, and we know it's preseason in a way, even worse than preseason. I think it's going to be just like you mentioned. It's just to get their feet wet, get the ball rolling. So we're not going to get, you know, top tier LeBron playing 38 minutes against us. But I do like the fact that we're playing against good competition. Uh, we are playing for something meaningful once the eight games playing games uh, resume. So we want to make sure that we are playing at a high level. And these teams will challenge us. Even their bench, even their coaching staff is top tier. So we want to be prepared for those eight games. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. It may not be fun if we end up getting blown out in those three games for whatever reason. But once those playing games start, I feel we'll be a better team because of it. Yeah, I agree. I think um, for a long time I felt like this team always kind of plays up to the level of competition. And that's been kind of one of the things that we've struggled with, you know, during the season is when we play lower tier teams, uh, we don't bring the game and we sometimes lose those games. So I think although the scrimmages don't matter in the grand scheme of things, I think being in there with, like Al said, top level competition will kind of bring out the best in the guys. Uh, so that'll be that'll be interesting to see. I'm I'm really happy with the schedule that we have. Um, obviously, for the scrimmage games, you know, games that won't impact um our record, the Clippers, Lakers, Nuggets. I mean, those are teams that you want to go against, right? When they're all in the West Coast, they're strong teams, and you're not going to see them in the East Con- Eastern Conference playoffs. So they're they're good teams that they're they have strong rosters. So even their second strings, they put them in, they're still going to put up some competition and whatnot. And it does give us a lot of opportunity to be able to work out, you know, whatever schemes it is that Coach Clifford wants to play out rotations. Hopefully, at this point, he doesn't need to figure out the whole rotation piece. Um, but at the same time, again, it's it's a good way to kind of get our feet wet now looking into the schedule i like the fact that we're playing against the nets twice um little things that i am worried about is i would have to say the indiana pacers um especially with the news of uh, victor oladipo potentially coming back um and and because you would really hope that with the schedule that we have that we just come out swinging we want to make sure that we take over the seventh seed and for the most part the only teams that can really see us giving us a run for our money it's going to be the sixers and and the celtics and then maybe the indiana pacers just kind of figuring out you know what it is that they have with victor oladipo so i think the i mean the raptors are probably going to be added to that list too i feel like the raptors always come ready to play especially when they go up against the magic um but I, I think it's interesting, right? Because the Nets have literally fallen apart within the last couple of weeks. Um, I think it's like four or so players tested positive for COVID. Obviously, KD's not playing. Kyrie's not playing. Um, but even with those two stars out, I felt like Spencer Dinwiddie, Joe Harris, you know, those guys, I felt like they could have um, still kind of put up a, a, a tough battle for us. But now knowing that, like, Spencer Dinwiddie's not playing either, uh, DeAndre Jordan. So I, I think... That has created a a scenario where the Magic should make the playoffs now. I mean, if the Wizards fell apart, the Nets fell apart, those were only the only two teams that were really contending against us for that last spot or those bottom two spots. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I think I think the Magic are going to be motivated going into this, knowing that although there is no home court advantage, there is a hometown advantage. The guys didn't have to travel to get here. Um, they kind of just drove in from their houses. I think that that plays a role. 
Um, just being familiar with the area, breathing the same air that you breathe all the time, the temperature you're used to. I don't know. It's just little things that you may not think about, I think, are going to impact how the game, how the games play out. Yeah. And I mean, look at the schedule, like you mentioned, and I think those those teams in the middle of the schedule, which thankfully by the middle of the schedule, we should be playing at a higher level. We, we've had three scrimmage games. We've had a couple of easy opponents to, to get us going in the playing games. So when we do start to see, you know, the Pacers, the Raptors, the Sixers and Celtics. I think we should be good by then. Um, another thing, too, the Pelicans. You know, Sion just left the bubble, and he may not be back for a little while. So what, is, what does that mean? Is he going to be around to, to play against us? Um, but the biggest thing, again, yeah, the schedule is what it is. But one thing to keep in mind is we've, we've been in the Nets twice this season already. So if we've won one of those two games, automatically we have the, the, the tiebreaker against them. That's huge as well. Because if it does come down to be within a few games or maybe, hey, the Nets surprise the world and Jamal Crawford goes crazy playing for them, maybe we end up being tighter than we want to be. But that, that at least beating them once, if not twice, is going to be crucial for us to secure that seventh seed. And that should be our goal. We should not be at the eighth seed. There's no reason why. We should definitely get that lock in the seventh seed um, by the time the playoffs start. Yeah, I think we're in good position. I mean, we're exactly where we want to be um, with, you know, the, the Wizards being the they, they won't have Bradley Beal. So they're going to have a weak roster. The Nets exactly in the same way. So anything less than the seventh seed would obviously be a major disappointment um, for this team, for this roster. What I like to see is the fact that even with everything going on, you know, it's improvements. You know, last season we were in the eighth seed of the Eastern Conference going into the playoffs. This year, if we're able to do what we're supposed to do, get us to the seventh seed, and then slowly but surely still continuing to grow um, as a team. So it's, those are things that we are excited to see. Um, now, there there has been some news. This quarantine hasn't been exactly easy. We're just now starting to get, um, you know, m- more players from our roster joining the bubble. So it was reported that James Ennis, he announced that he was a player who tested positive with COVID. And then Markel Fultz um, arrived late to the camp. He just got freed um, from his two-day of quarantine once he made it into the bubble and just had his first major practice. Guys, how excited are you with uh, Markel Fultz finally joining the team? There is legitimate excitement for Markel uh, because, I don't know, Markel is just one of those guys. I feel like they're they're like star is what describes Markel, star in the making. I think everything about him, the way he carries himself, his speed, you know, his energy on the court, he kind of runs around on defense, um, switches all the time, and his energy is always good. One thing that concerns me, though, is even during the season when we saw Markel playing regularly, he was having a lot of, like, um, muscle cramping, right? So how is that going to impact his play? He hasn't had the same amount of practice time as everyone else. He's kind of jumping in on the tail end of, of the whole bubble experience, which is new for him. Um, so that's going to be one of the things that, that I'm looking at early, just to see how his body's holding up, how well he's taking care of himself during the quarantine, how active he's been with his workouts and things like that. Um, but as far as being excited, I mean, who's not excited to see Markel on the court? Yeah, I mean, think about the fact that, yeah, he had some, some time to rest that shoulder. I'm sure the Magic had virtual workouts, whatever you want to call them, and make sure that that shoulder was being worked, that that that, that um, physical therapy was still going on. So I'm excited to see what he looks like after three months of not playing with rest, now knowing the team, now knowing the dynamics, the, you know, 
the schemes on offense. Um, there's a lot of excitement against, again, like you mentioned, Justin, the, the star power is there. I mean, anytime you post anything, in, in my case, on social media about Markel Falls, it usually blows up. And that means people are watching. People want this kid to succeed. And so do we, of course. Um, but also, let's not forget about James Annis. He was a, a late addition to the team. He was only with us for about a month when the season was, um, was suspended. And he's a guy that we added because we wanted more defense. We wanted more three-point shooting. Um, and I think he can add that, whether... Whatever happens to J.I., whether he comes back or not, he will have a role in this team. And I'm excited for him, you know, being with a team that he's healthy is important. Um, so I'm excited for him to get some reps here before the, the, the scrimmages games. And I do hope that he um, had some time to go through tape and, he, and now knows our team better. So when we start the games, he's uh, ready to roll with us. Yeah, James Ennis is a big part of this team. He, he can be a player that is a legitimate starter for us if we needed him to play that role. He's a big, true, small forward. Um, it, especially with Jonathan Isaac still being in the air, he's definitely a body that we absolutely need to have. Um, so I'm really glad that he has joined this team, that he's freely clear of COVID-19. Um, and, you know, shout out to everyone that uh, that did their research and and put on their investigation hats and try to figure out <laughs> who that um, who that mysterious player with COVID-19 was. I uh, would like to say, Justin, you got it absolutely wrong because didn't you say Mo Bamba? <laughs> Yeah, initially that's that was my speculation. I I noticed that that Ennis was missing from a lot of like team news, um, but I didn't see Bamba coming off the bus with the team or anything like that. And it just you know it felt weird because he's one of the young guys, one of the guys that you know is a big you know is a big part of the future of this team. And he wasn't spoken about a lot in the beginning, so I thought it was him, <laughs> but I was I was uh, dead wrong. Yeah, I felt like we were all playing like this massive game of Clue. Like everyone was yeah. <laughs> dissecting, dissecting every single social media video that was out there, trying to figure out who was in the background, who wasn't. It was it was good entertainment, well needed entertainment for a little bit. Um, Markel Fultz, yeah, man, it's it's exciting to have him back. Um, we we were kind of. We don't know if we're just looking at the same video over and over, but Justin, you had mentioned that um, in one of the practice videos that um, they were playing that we still saw a little bit of a, a hitch in the shot. One of the things I noticed is that um, his mid-range game, is his, his shot mid-range is so much smoother than just him shooting from the corner or shooting the three. Um, yeah. He did He did mention that it was going to take him about maybe a week or two to kind of get back into game shape. Um, and they did also report that you know, they held him out of five on five practice um, because they want him to kind of not jump straight into it, but kind of break him in a little bit. But right. man, can you imagine this team without a Markel Fultz? Like, it's even hard to believe two, three years ago that we didn't have this guy. He he is exactly what I think he is, which is what you mentioned, Justin, that he he's a star for this team. And I think that the dynamic of him as our point guard is it's scary for a lot of the teams in the East. A lot of what Markel does is impressive, right? Because in the league today, you would say, like, you need a three-point shot, especially if you're a guard of any sort, right? But Markel's kind of proven that you don't because, like you said, his his mid-range game is so clean, right? He can shoot in motion, come off screens, and pop that way, too. It's just, it's really impressive, and his speed getting at the rim is crazy. He can finish through contact. Um, so, you, you know, his strength is there, his speed is there, his shot from the mid-range is there, and I think you could be successful. I mean... Um, like DeMar. DeMar is not a point guard, obviously, but he's proven if your mid-range game is top level, elite level, you really don't need a three-point shot. Um, and Markel's proven he can hit those when he's open, too. So we'll see. It's still 
it's still like Evan said, it's still really it was really his rookie season. Um, so I think the sky, you know, the sky's the limit for Markel. I'm really excited to see what he looks like in the bubble. And think about this. So, so you're saying he has no three point shot, but he also ranks as one of the last NBA players in fouls drawn. So he's not mm. getting calls either. And he attacks the basket a ton. So think about the fact that maybe in a year or two, Markel now gets more recognition. He starts being looked at as a more of a star player. And he gets, you know, to the line eight times a game. And he does make, let's say, six of those free throws. Now he's averaging 13 points plus six. We're at 19 points a game already. Add a three-pointer more here and there. You now have a 20-point-per-game point guard, which we haven't had since who? Steve Francis, if, if that, like... It's again uh, to me. I can't wait for that moment. We can say, "Hey, we step into the to a, to a game, and we know we have a point guard that's going to average twenty points a game. They shout the ball, perform highlights, play." We haven't had a player like that in years, and, and I'm excited just for that alone. Yeah, man, and especially because Mark Markell, he's um, man, he's he's by far one of the most creative players I've ever seen. Like it's it's crazy because when I watch him play and he drives to the lane, I don't I don't know how he gets around the players that he gets around. It is insane. It's fun to watch, and he's definitely someone that's dangerous. And what's more fun to watch than, like, revenge Markel? I cannot wait to play the Sixers. <laughs> um, but real quick, I wanted to shout out uh, whoever it was that put Stan Van Gundy on a Twitter. Whoever taught that man how to use a Twitter is by far <laughs> the best thing that has happened in the last, you know, a couple weeks. Um, but not some good news, right, because um, it was just reported recently that the Magic laid off about 10% of their full-time workforce due to the COVID-19. And Stan Van Gundy went to Twitter and kind of, uh, he, he gave the Magic some criticism. He said, these layoffs just couldn't be avoided. The DeVos family that owns the Magic only has a net worth of about $5 billion. They just couldn't afford to continue to pay all of their employees. Obviously, right now, there's a lot of businesses in the United States that they are struggling due to COVID-19 challenges. Um, and... And, you know, it's a, it's a little heartening. You know, what, what do you guys think about the news that came out about, you know, the, the, unfortunate, the unfortunate layoffs? Man, it's, it's disappointing. Uh, I mean, I know me and you both and work in banking, so we're seeing the impact that this thing is having on, on families and, and businesses in our communities. Um, but I don't know, man. I think when I think of businesses that are struggling right now, I don't think of the Orlando Magic. I don't think of an NBA team. I don't think of owners that, like Stan Van Gogh mentioned, have net worths in the billions of dollars. Um, I think of the average middle-class families that can't open a restaurant right now, can't open, you know, their their gift store, whatever it may be. Um, so to hear the news, unfortunately, um, it, it's not the best of news. Like you mentioned, I'm, I think that it could have been avoided. Um, I do understand, you know, there's no ticket sales right now. I do understand there's no revenue coming in from sales of the arena. I get all that. But when your ownership has billions of dollars, um, and as far as I know, we are the first team to announce that we're laying off a certain percentage of our workforce. It's disappointing, unfortunately. Um, and I agree with Sam Magoni 100%. It's, it, it could have been avoided. Unfortunately, it wasn't. Um, I'm just hoping that when things pick back up, these employees are hired again uh, in some way. Because, again, it, it shouldn't have happened to begin with. Yeah, I read online, <clears throat> excuse me, and I don't know how real or accurate this is. But just for perspective, that 10% of the workforce would have equated to about $280,000. When you look at $280,000 in comparison to a family that's worth billions of dollars, it's like, 
you know, you in my opinion, that could have that could have been toughed out. You know, you have guys like John Denton, who was, you know, one of the guys who was laid off. He was, you know, essential to to magic content. Right. He was one of the guys, one of the longer running guys providing magic articles for the team. Um, and to see him being laid off was a little um, a little upsetting. It felt like as an organization, you have you have a responsibility to these guys, you know, to keep them employed. And and I'm sure Ant, you're going to mention this at some point, but Alex Martins had also made comments, right, about the the necessity for pro, uh, protecting these jobs, right, especially during COVID-19. Um, and to see that that's not the case and to see a reversal just a few months after the, the those comments were made by Alex Martins, it's just a little bit uh, frustrating, honestly. We're not we're not going to sit here and say that the Magic organization didn't do anything. Um, back in March in 2020, they they did donate up to two million dollars to be able to pay um, for these hourly workers. It, it's just sad to see that it got to this point. You know, the the Magic are are, are valued at almost two billion dollars as an organization. Uh, SVG said that you know the DeVos family, their estimated worth is about five billion dollars as a family. It, I, it's just hard for us to fathom that they, you know, they had to get rid of 31 full-time employees. It, it's hard to believe that they really couldn't have done anything else. Um, there are obviously there, there's, there's options like the Disney. They, they furloughed employees. You know what I mean? Why, why wasn't, why wasn't that an option? Why is just laying off the only option that was left? I think that that's the part that's the most heartbreaking about all of this because now what are they supposed to do? You know, in beginning back in March, you know, uh, Alex Martins and I don't remember the exact quote that he said, but I remember him saying that, you know, we don't we don't know exactly how we're going to be able to help um, our team members because that was a, at the point where even players were donating to be able to support. But he said that, you know, no matter what we decide to do, we're an organization that we always do what's right for our team members, for our employees. Kind of feel like this wasn't it. This wasn't even close to it. So it's it's. Even more heartbreaking to know also that we're the first team to lay off employees. We're supposed to be character first organization. We're supposed to be the one that does everything right. And to me, this just brings a really, really bad message and a bad look for the organization in total. I agree. And, and let's not forget, too, NBA, is, it's resuming in Orlando. So to kind of have this news coming out of Orlando, you know, it's kind of like, really? Um, you know, and I do know there are some employees from the Magic that are working in the bubble that just got there right now. So, again, it's just with everything that's going on right now, as I mentioned before, the NBA being in Orlando, for us to be the first team to lay off employees, unfortunately, the messaging is not what I think we should be hearing from the team right now. Yeah, we, we don't know the exact details. We we just hope that, um, you know, a, a little a little more could have done could have been done and who knows hopefully that there's something that can be compensated along the way but uh let's jump into pass or shoot so we haven't done this segment in a long while (laughs) and what's exciting about you know obviously as fun as the guests that we had um was it's good that we're able to kind of get back to talking basketball right so very first one off the jump MCW will continue his strong play and be a key member of the rotation off the bench. Pass or shoot? I am shooting on that 100%. <laughs> I think MCW is, and we've, we've talked about this ad nauseum, but 
MCW is one of those guys that gives you 150% effort. And I think a lot of getting into rhythm and a, a lot of contributing on the floor is based on effort. Um, so I think MCW is, is no question going to be one of those guys that from the, from the beginning is going to impact this team in a positive way. Uh, so I'm, I'm super excited uh, to, to see MCW back on the court. 100%. I'm shooting as well. I think that the, what we've seen from him before the season ended, I mean, he was balling. Like, he was averaging close to 20 points a game. He was hitting some mid-range shots, some three-point shots. Like, he was legitimately becoming a player that we've known this for a while, especially in our podcast group. We love this guy. Well, we picked him up since day one, what he brought to the team. Um, but then what I've seen even in the videos, this guy just looks like a different player altogether. Um, I'm ready, and I, and I completely agree. I think that he will come off the bench, add a different dimension to this team. And not only that, he can now play the one, the two, the three. Heck, yeah. in today's NBA, the four. He will find a way to get some minutes and, and be a key member of our team. And we know Ross is the bench guy, right? Like, that, that's the six men. So you think about when you think about a bench guy. But if you think about Augustine, MCW, and Ross playing well at the same time off the bench, Man, again, that's what I'm saying. With this topic, no home court advantage really being there. Anything can happen right now. We had Daryl Armstrong on our podcast, Bo Outlaw on our podcast, guys that we considered um, as, you know, the heart and hustle players of that era. Um, MCW, to me, is is made out of that same type of cloth, has that same type of pedigree. Is, is he going to have strong play and be a key member of the rotation? Hell yeah. How, how could he not, man? This guy is the type of dude that he will dive under every single ball. He'll go in there, get a bloody nose if he has to. He ha- he probably has one of the most, um, right next to Evan Fournier, a lot of emotion and passion. You see him have that kind of grittiness that he's not afraid to get into any player's face and, you know, do what he has to do to protect the team. So he's is a player that I am a fan of. And it's hard to believe that, what, almost two seasons ago, this dude was almost out of the league. He was a steal. Yeah. How could he not be? MCW is one of those guys like all he needed was an opportunity and um, I think a lot of people talk about you know being hard workers and being driven and motivated and accomplishing things but MCW is one of the few people that legitimately does those things you know and I don't know I feel like in any circumstance you put him in there and he's going to adjust he's going to adjust and he's going to bring what's needed like, I, I, I know during the season, a lot of the criticism early on was his three-point shooting was terrible. He was airballing a lot of threes. So what did he do? He readjusted his game, right? He took it to the, to the rim a lot. But then, toward you know, moving toward the, the stoppage in play, he became a better three-point shooter. He was shooting them more confidently, um, and that was, that was something that kind of showed through. Yeah, and I mean, one thing that's just kind of concerning to me, I know we, fast-forwarding to after the, the season ends, it's free agency. Uh, what do we do with MCW at the end of the, of the offseason? You know, he's a guy that this front office is building this team around good guys, hard workers. If that's not MCW, then who is? I mean, so I'm just, again, hitting fast forward, thinking offseason already. But I do hope this guy's around here for a long, long time because he deserves it. He really embodies what an Orlando Magic player should look like. But yeah, MCW by any means, he's not perfect, but... Man, he, he's definitely a person that I want to keep within the roster for as long as possible. All right, so jumping into the next one, Markel Fultz. Will he be the X Factor? I'm going to surprise you guys with this one. I'm going to pass. Only because if Jonathan Isaac comes back at any point between now and the playoffs, 
and he's healthy, playing, heck, 15 minutes a night off the bench, I think he becomes our X factor. Or another guy, Aaron Gordon. When the, off season, when the season stopped, he was playing his best basketball off the season. Um, so if either one of those guys, Aaron Gordon or Jonathan Isaac, can some way, somehow play at a high level heading into the playoffs, to me, those guys become the X factors. Um, not to say Markel does not have a factor, because of course we know he's our point guard. We go as he goes. But I think those other guys are more players that are involved more at the moment in the offense, in, in the scheme of things, Isaac on the defensive end. Um, so in my opinion, those guys will have a, a bigger impact on the team right away. So I'm going to pass on that. You know, I'm going to pass too. Um, but my X Factor guys are none of those. So I'm going to pass. But I think some of the guys that are, when I think of X Factor is like, when a team is planning to play Orlando, who are they not even thinking about, right? Who are they not thinking about, but who's going to show up and make them pay for not thinking about them? And two guys in particular come to mind. It's DJ Augustine and Wessa Wundu. I think, um, I think Wessa Wundu is one of those guys that he's just a baller, man. He's, he's one of those guys that kind of like MCW has that hustle doesn't give up on plays, does whatever is asked of him. If you need him to come into the starting lineup, he will. If he doesn't play at all, that's fine. Like, we've seen it. He's gone from not being in the rotation at all to starting the very next game, and he makes pivotal plays. So just thinking about that, I think if Wessel Wundu is on, I think he could cause some problems. Yeah, I should have went second. Wesley Wandu would be my X Factor, hands down. Markel Fultz, you kind of already know, not not necessarily saying that you know what you're getting with him, but if he balls out, you're you're expecting him to ball out. With mm-hmm. Wesley Wandu, you still kind of feel like we're still waiting for his breakout season, um, and I feel like he's in a perfect position to be able to do that. Uh, he's he's a, a DN three he's a DN three player. So this dude can shoot the three. He's someone that you expect that isn't afraid to guard the LeBrons of the world. Like he's out there. He knows what his role is, and I feel like he is a player that no one's going to pay attention to. And you know, if he's able to do just a little bit more than what we expect, you know, it can really change the dynamic of the team. It kind of even makes it really hard for Coach Clifford because Wesley Owandu is a player that. You know, throughout the season, he kind of fell out of the rotation a bit. But if he's going, that only gives, you know, Coach Cliff added ammunition to be able to throw out whatever it is that he wants to throw out within the rotation. He's a guy that can play the two and the three, and he's someone that can really, really impact. Markel Fultz is going to be that guy. But Wesley Owandu is, is a guy that you're not thinking about. Right. I think it's really interesting, right, because we've, we've heard um, and I've seen on Twitter that Coach Cliff is planning to kind of extend the rotation a little bit, right, and and give some more guys playing time. Um, and when you look at it, I think there's maybe 10, 11 guys on this team who could, if they're on, who could cause damage, right? And and Awundu is just one of those guys. DJ Augustine is one of those guys. Thinking about a bench with DJ Augustine, Terrence Ross, Wes Awundu, MCW, and that's all effort. All of those guys are effort. And if you got T. Ross and, and a one do hit in the threes at the level that they can, that's dangerous. I think that could be one of the better benches coming into the bubble if if every you know if everybody's on. Yeah, for sure. Now, um, it was reported earlier Mo Bamba did some uh, some media um, online media with some of the media 
suppressed from the magic. They said that you put on 20 pounds. You passing or shooting? I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, hold on. Uh, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go first. I'm, go first, I'm, go first. I, I am shooting. Have you not seen the pictures? This dude looks like a mammoth. Like, if you compare <laughs> the pictures of what Mobamba looks like now compared to what he looks like when he first got into the NBA, this dude is massive. I think they said that he's weighing at about 250 pounds now. Jeez. 200, how, he's 250 pounds, put on 20 pounds of muscle, and he still has crazy length. I'm expecting for this dude to go into the game and start elbowing, pushing people around. <laughs> like, like I, I know I might be exaggerating a little bit, but I see him in the game, and I'm just thinking, like, yo, this dude's going to start shacking people. Like, <laughs> like how is he not going to? Because one, one of my biggest things with Mo is that, you know, I never really seen him dunk on anybody. Like, everything's just been kind of free out in the open. When you have that much weight to throw around in the paint, he's going he's gonna to put elbows on people. Like without question, like I just see, I just see an, an animal out there with putting on that much muscle. What worries me, and I'm, I'm to answer your question, I'm gonna shoot. I think that um, it is possible that he gained, you know, twenty pounds. It's been a long time since the season was on. But one thing that worries me about Mo is that there were reports, right, that he, um, he's being limited because of concerns about his leg or, or whatever it is, and. You know he had a hairline fracture right in his uh, in his in his leg, so that's something that worries me. When you put on twenty pounds of muscle, your body has to adjust to that added weight, right? So it's not just like you you pick up the weight and your body just automatically does what it used to do. Uh, so that that might be why they're they're cautious because they they want his body to kind of get used to carrying that extra weight around. Um, but one of the things is that Mo like his he has pretty slim legs right so if the weight came from his upper body and his lower body's not kind of picking up the weight it could hurt him in the long run um and i'm hoping that's not the case but there is cause for concern if um if that is so i'm gonna i'm gonna after thinking about it i'm gonna shoot just because like like ant said you can see it it's obvious on the pictures that we're seeing of him dude looks like he's definitely added some muscle by the way, Jonathan Isaac has as well. If you guys haven't seen his yeah. pictures recently, J.I. looks definitely like more toned, more defined. Um, so this youth that we brought in as skinny guys that we all kind of surprised us. Gone. Hey, here we go. These guys are being built up now. But my concern with Mo is, yeah, he added the weight. Like Ann mentioned, though, his game is mostly three-point shooting and kind of staying out of the paint for some reason. I am hoping that he comes up now and starts throwing those elbows around, those muscles around because he has them now. I just don't know if it's in, in him. Like Shaq, man, like this dude just legitimately wanted to kill people and dunk on people. Like right. he, that was just in him. Mo, I think he'd rather pick and fade and, and, and hit those threes. But again, I'm going to shoot on the, on the question. I definitely can see that he added those muscles. You guys remember Brandon Bass? Mm-hmm. Yep. Brandon Bass was this, this dude was like a professional wrestler playing basketball. This dude was a house and his mid-range game was insane. So, not not that I'm comparing the two, but if Mo Bamba is able to put on that muscle and still have that touch, that that only is just an added arsenal to his game. Yep. What I need him to do is is to be able to put his presence on people, and I think that as long as he's able to do that while maintaining, you know, staying healthy, then I think that you know that that only does wonders for us as a team collectively. 
Well, you know what? What's interesting to me is that Mo does shoot the three at a at a good rate, right? But I think a center who can play in the paint and dominate in the paint is still something that can help teams win. Like it's great to have a center that could space the floor, right? But kind of deep in the in the clock, like going toward the end of the game, you don't want your center shooting threes. You want to be able to give the ball to your center and just have them dominate in the paint and get you those wins in close situations. Like five seconds left on the clock, tie game. I want Evan Fournier or Terrence Ross shooting a three. I don't want Mo Bamba pulling up from 30 feet to shoot a three to hope hopefully win us the game. I want Mo to yeah. dominate in the paint. Yeah, you want him to grab the rebound in case we miss. Yep. At the same time, at, at the same yeah. time, get you a, get you a center that does both. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> All right, jumping into our next one, um, Jonathan Isaac will return from his knee injury at some point this season. Ooh, that's an interesting one. Um, uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm shoot. Still, I- <laughs> I'm gonna shoot. I think. The Magic front office, and we've had these conversations on our group chat, but the Magic front office is the most precautious, safe front office probably in the history of the NBA. Um, it was what? J.I. had a hyperextended knee, right? What was labeled as a hyperextended knee, and the MRI came back negative, right? There was no structural damage to his knee, if I'm remembering correctly, and this was back in January. So for a hyperextended knee, it takes about, what, two to six weeks to heal that. Right. We're looking at six months after the injury and he's just now getting into light five on five like that. That seems to me like a front office that realizes that Jonathan Isaac is the future of this franchise and they don't want to put him in a situation where he could hurt himself long term, which is fine. Right. It's okay that you want to protect your players. But I do think that there comes a point where the protection is too much. Like how how long is J.I. not going to see action on the court? Before it's like, okay, now doesn't it kind of become a liability if he does step on the court because you've had him away for so long? So I think we will see J.I. play. I think the front office is kind of treating it like J.I. is a secret weapon in a, in a way. Uh, but I think J.I. will play when the when the season returns. Yeah, I feel like our front office, they run this organization like they're the damn CIA. It, it is crazy. <laughs> because it, if you really think about it, they said the exact same thing about Markel Fultz. Oh, we don't know if he's going to be able to start for the season, blah, blah, blah. We don't know what his whatever case may be. We're getting clowned by ESPN for all these little not full of information quotes that they were giving out. And I feel like we're getting the exact same thing from the front office. Uh, they're the ones that is providing the practice clips. They're the ones that it's not like the reporters are out there watching them practice. They can say whatever they want. They're not going to lie, but at the same time, they're not going to tell their full truth. Um, do I see him coming at some point? Yes. So I'm I'm definitely going to shoot. I don't. Why Why not say no from the get? If it was absolutely out of line, he his body isn't ready. He's not doing any context. So just say that no, he's not playing. All that the front office has said is don't look too deep into it. That's all they've said. They haven't rolled anything out. He is out there practicing every day with the guys. Yeah, he may not be doing full five-on-five contact, whatever the case may be, but he's still out there. He's still shooting. He's still doing everything that they're doing to at least some capacity. Um, They are reporting that 
you know, he's not participating in full practices that he's been doing more of personal personalized work with assistant coaches. But I'm not buying the fact that he's not going to play at all. Why? Why put him through all that? Just not playing. And at the same time, J.I. is saying that he's ready to go. That he's good to go. If they want if they if the doctors told me that, hey, I'm good and they're willing, then I'm, I'm ready to go. He's ready to play. And I yep. think that if he doesn't play, then it just goes back to the fact that our front office is just being way overly precautious because the player is saying that he's good to go. Yeah, so he said he's ready. He's going to do everything he can to be ready to return. Coach Clifford came out and said, yeah, he's not practicing fully. He's not even doing 5-on-5 five five yet. But yet, on Thursday, he practiced on 5-on-5 five five with the team. And we, we've seen some videos of that taking place. Um, so I'm going to shoot just because I want to. <laughs> like, I want to see him play. Um but there is a, a part of me that says, realistically speaking, the front office will not let him play. They, they're going to see, you know, this next 16 games, whatever it may be that we have left to play the season, as not enough of valid reason to throw him out there and rush him when they can just hold him out and have him come back in December, be fully fresh for a new year. Again, the fan in me, the, the me that's hopeful, just want to see him play because I think he will make a huge impact on our team. And not only that. The playoff experience, again, that's what we're all about right now. These young guys, get them playing against the best of the best. There we go. Throw him out there. But if he's off the bench, I understand he may not be a starter when he gets back, but at least give him 20 minutes a night, 15 minutes a night. Get him out there. Get him exposed to playing good minutes, quality minutes against the top teams of the East, and we go from there. I'm going to go out on a limb, uh, and I'm going to say come July 31st, Jonathan Isaac will be on the court. July 31st, you think? I don't, yeah, I, think, I don't know. I don't. I don't see him playing like the uh, the the eight games of finishing off the season. And maybe maybe towards the back end. But I kind of see them. Why why risk that if you already know that you're going to be in the playoffs with the player like Ji that you're already so precautious about. But do we know for a fact that if you don't play during those eight games, you're eligible for the playoffs? Should be. I mean, he should yeah. be because it's a player just getting back from injury. And he is in the bubble, so he has already gone through all the protocols of, of getting checked and getting ready. So he should be able to come back just for the playoffs. I don't know. I think, in my opinion, if, if Jonathan Isaac is not playing by July 31st and you're talking about preserving his knee, it wouldn't make sense to allow him to play in the playoffs with guys that have already had at that point, what, 11 games to get in rhythm who are probably in super in-game shape, are playing high-level basketball, and then you're going to put J.I. in at that point, that doesn't really make sense to me. Yeah, no, I, I agree that uh, I I think that maybe midway point. I don't say, if, you know, right on July 31st, I would say at least maybe three or four games in. If he's not if he's not in by that midway point, then I would That's completely it. rule him out. Yeah, because I, I don't agree that putting him in playoff mode first game of the playoffs – as that being the right mood, uh, right move, but you know we'll we'll see what happens. Ji a healthy Ji going into the playoffs, who has played scrimmage games and the the in play games. Uh, I think he takes this team like he adds another dimension to this team. Maybe not offensively because we've seen what his shot is like and, and whatnot, um, but defensively, I think Jonathan Isaac literally changes the dynamic of this team, um, and it'll it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, you give us Jonathan Isaac, and if I'm the Raptors, I'm scared. <laughs> you got to be. You got to be. 100%. Because you, you think about it, he's the one player that, in my opinion, in the whole entire NBA, and obviously there's others, but he's definitely one player that I see as being the, 
the neutralizer of Pascal Siakam. Yep. And not to mention, if J.I. doesn't play, we're probably going to go up against the Raptors and Chris Boucher and Terrence Davis are going to go off on us, drop 30 points like they did last time, which is crazy. But it that, that goes to show what a defensive anchor like Jonathan Isaac does for the team, right? Because I think there's... There's a little bit of um, disrespect when teams play Orlando. Like, teams come in expecting to win sometimes. And I think when you have a guy like J.I. who kind of locks down the paint and can close out at the three, I think it just changes things entirely. I mean, with with that being said, uh, pass or shoot, the Raptors will be a better matchup in the playoffs. Go ahead. Al. Oh, man, shoot. <laughs> I'm going to shoot just because I don't want to see Giannis. I don't want to see that team. Um, even though Eric Bledsoe hasn't even gotten into the bubble yet because he tested positive, I think, twice with COVID-19. So, but even then, I just think, man, Milwaukee's a scary team. Um, Giannis, you can throw Isaac at him, throw whoever you want to, and you just cannot stop that dude. I mean, he can just by himself will that team to victory. Um, so give me the Raptors. Even, even, even then, it's a better storyline, too. I think we lost to them last year. We felt like we could have given them a better battle than we did. We could have won at least two games last year, and we didn't. I think this is a good, a good way for the team to come back, face a team that they lost to last year, and, again, have the young guys go out there with some passion and say, hey, we're not going get to you know, get swept number one, only win one game. We're going to improve on what we did last year. And, again, if Isaac is back, I do think that series can go easily six or seven games. You know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna pass. I'm gonna pass. I think what? Yeah, I'm gonna pass because when what? I when I look at listen when I, when I look at the Raptors right. When when we talk about the Bucks, obviously Giannis is incredible, right? And like Al said, Giannis has the ability to will the team to a win. Um, but I think the Raptors are just dangerous, man. Like they their bench is ridiculous. We've seen Kyle Lowry is a problem. Like people, you know, people hate on Kyle Lowry and they say all of these things. But Kyle Lowry goes off whenever he plays on the Magic. Fred Van Vliet as the as a as a point guard coming off the bench, super dangerous. Pascal Siakam, you have to believe he's made improvements as well. I don't know. And then, like I said, when you have those young guys like Chris Boucher and Terrence Davis who are not afraid to just play in big moments, and we've seen it. I think it takes the team to a, a whole nother dimension. And like Al said, if if Eric Bledsoe is not healthy, I think Eric Bledsoe is a huge part of the of the uh, Milwaukee offense. So I don't know. I think a lot of it is also dependent on whether J.I. plays or not. You put J.I. on Giannis, he slowed him down before, and we've seen that. So I don't know. I think there's a lot of, a lot of things that are up in the air. Um, if J.I. is on this team, I like our chances, man, against anybody. If J.I.'s not on, I think we're going to get steamrolled by a lot of teams in the playoffs. All right, so first and foremost, don't you dare bring up Chris Boucher's name ever again. <laughs> <laughs> that was one game. That was, that was one game, Justin. Let it go. Second, we'll Cal Lowry, game one, Eastern Conference playoffs in Toronto, Donut. Mm-hmm. Don't Correct. against the but Magic. What did he do against the Magic? What did he do to us the against, rest of that series? That's fine. We're talking about game one. <laughs> <laughs> You're jumping ahead, Justin. And this is against this is against DJ Augustine. When I look at Toronto's rops, roster, I, man, I don't like their roster. Who are you? Who are you afraid of? Who are you afraid of? Gr- granted, yes, Kyle Lowry is a baller. 
I'm okay with the matchup with Kyle Lowry and Markel Fultz. Pascal Siakam, he's their most dangerous person. But with Jonathan Isaac, who's the biggest defensive sleeper in the NBA, I like my chances. Fred Van Vliet, he's like just a younger version of DJ Augustine. Like, Ooh. who is it? Ser- Serge Ibaka? Who is it that you're afraid of, Justin? Listen, when we played against the Raptors last year, Marc Gasol dominated, right? Marc Gasol legitimately dominated. I agree. So when we talk about X Factor, right, you have to think about who are the guys that are probably going to shine in, in the bubble. And those guys are the vets, the guys that have done it, that don't let really let things get to them. The young guys... I mean, this is a new experience for everybody. But you have to understand, the vets are the guys who understand their bodies, know what it takes for them to be ready. You know what I mean? I think those little things give you advantages. And I don't know, man. When I look at the Raptors, I genuinely feel like they have more weapons um, for this type of environment. I feel like they have more weapons to be successful than the Bucks do. Yeah, I'm so, you not... know, it's funny. You saying Marcus Gasol's name, that was, my, that was my response. Like, when I look at the roster, it's true. Like, I don't see anybody that I'm like, oh, my God, Kawhi is there. Steph Curry. It's not LeBron. You know, it's, it's yeah, it's Siakam, who's a great player. But if we do have a tandem of Isaac and Gordon on him, yeah, he may average 20 points a game, but he may have to take 25 shots to get there. I'm okay with that. But you know what I'm concerned about? Marcus Gasol guarding Vucevic, who's our best offensive player right now. Right. It's a mental thing, man. It's not even physical. It's a mental thing. This guy just goes on the court, tip off, and you can see Vooch just goes, I cannot even play against this guy. Because you see all the big centers out there, Embiid being one of them, and Vooch just plays well against Embiid. Like, he dominates against him. Marco Sogos out there, 4 for 22, 8 points, It's the physicality. It's the physicality. Yeah. And, and yeah. um. I don't know, Toronto's Toronto's transition, like, offense, one of the best in the league. Like, off of steals, Toronto gets to the bucket super quick. And I think transition defense is one of the things that Orlando struggles with. But when J.I. plays, the transition defense is a lot better, right? So that's what I'm saying. That that, that um, J.I. playing or not playing is going to determine a lot of Orlando success. And I, I agree. When we played Toronto last year in the playoffs, we didn't have Markel. Can Kyle Lowry have an issue with, like, speedy guys like Markel? Of course. But Kyle Lowry, if, if I had to put money on it, Kyle Lowry's going to gonna prove his value like he does usually in the playoffs. You guys are forgetting one major thing. Uh-oh. <laughs> Physically, Mo Bamba just gained twenty pounds of muscle. <laughs> but we also discussed we also discussed that Mo Bamba's not a physical player. So although yeah, he I might agree. have that weight, he might not want to engage in physicality. And you're not gonna tell me that Mo Bamba's gonna out physical Margasol. That's not happening. No, no, no. Listen, listen, I'm not taking anything away from the Toronto Raptors. They're obviously the defending champions, whatever the case may be. I get. It. At the same time, if we have Jonathan Isaac looking at our roster and looking at the matchups, I I feel really good. Like, give me Toronto. Like, I want Toronto. Yeah. Even yeah. even more so for just a little revenge and payback because it was, mm-hmm. it we expected with Kawhi last we expected to be swept, right? Realistically, and with with no disrespect to DJ Augustine or anything, DJ killed it. But at the same time, is we we know that 
we needed a, something a little extra, and we have that now. And I really like our roster matchup with Toronto. I don't want – there's nothing about me that wants anything to do with Milwaukee, but you give me Toronto, and I feel I, I feel good enough to where I would put a nice little wager on it and, and seeing our guys make it. And I will run. say – and I will say another guy that going into the playoffs is going to be uh, vital is Evan. Uh, you have to remember last year during the playoffs, Evan's – the whole season Evan was struggling. Um, this year he kind of came up. He was, he, in my opinion, he was in contention for an all-star appearance, but then he started kind of tapering off toward that break, and it, it caused him, you know, votes. But I think Evan is one of those guys, when he's on, Evan is a problem. So that's one of those X-factor guys if you if you want another one. Yeah, for as sure. Much we love him, as much we love him or hate him, it's uh, the... Those two Euro brothers that, that we love and hate so much. If Vooch and Fournier can step up in the playoffs and play how they play in the regular season, and again, you add a healthy Isaac to that team, again, against the Raptors, who Fournier and Vooch struggled against last year, and again, we, we almost won two games against them last year with Kawhi. Mm-hmm. Again, I like our odds. But again, it, it, we, are we going to step up in the playoffs and show up? That's that's the thing. I'm concerned with Vooch against Gasol. It, yeah, it, I don't know. It depends what Magic shows up. Hopefully, you it's throw uh, in post All Star game Magic, and you throw in a triple double Aaron Gordon, <laughs> and things change. All right. Ooh. Oh, yeah. all right, guys. Let's wrap this up. Final thoughts. Just give me basketball, man. I'm excited. I'm excited. I feel like it's Christmas uh, this week, even though it's only scrimmages, but I'm excited to go to work, come back home, and put up the DVR and just watch some, some Magic games. It's been a while. Um, I'm excited for that, man. I'm excited. I want to see what Markel looks like out there in Mo Bamba in scrimmages. I'm hoping they get some good run. Uh, they let them kind of free flow out there. And uh, I want to see Markel's shot. I know it's always been a thing, right? Let's see how he looks after an extended break. If that shot looks better, if that elbow, um, the shoulder looks better, um, so that's what I'm I'm excited for as we move into uh, the first week of basketball here. Yeah, for me, it would um, it would have to do with Steve Clifford and the coaching staff. I think that that conversation about extending the rotations, I think, is a beautiful conversation, especially during this circumstance. I feel like having ten, maybe even eleven players um, on the court, well, not on the court at the same time, but you know, in the rotation. Is going to be interesting to see because I think we have maybe 11, 12 players who could cause problems um, if, if they're playing, you know, at, at in rhythm. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see. I also want to see what Steve has kind of come up with now that he's been with the team for, going, you know, two seasons. He had, what, three, three or so months of no basketball to kind of plan and scheme and kind of revise tape and, and go over those things. So it'll be interesting to see what new things uh, Clifford brings to the table for this team. Yeah, in a recent podcast, Evan Fournier on the BDS podcast, um, he was quoted that Markel Fultz and Jonathan Isaac are the future of this franchise. And the future is July 31st. So really hoping, fingers crossed, that Jonathan Isaac is able to play if J.I. is able to step on the court with Markel Fultz. You know, I'm really hoping to see that they kind of take – take the baton and, and kind of push this team forward. It's going to be exciting, man. There's nothing better than, you know, the magic starting, uh, the magic season starting back up and, and jumping into the playoffs. But, uh, man, that's it. Really good episode, guys. Thank, thank you, everyone, for listening. And that's a wrap for us. Till next time. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Ozone Podcast, the voice of magic fans. Be sure to visit our website, theozonepod.com. 
And remember to subscribe, rate, and leave a review on all your favorite podcast listening platforms.